Thank you and good morning. Terence paused for so long during premarital that I was wondering if there was something he hadn't told us. Uh, but it is good to be with you. Cliff, thank you for sending all your rain down here. Uh, it, is, it has been a thing. It is, it's a lot. I, uh, I was kind of thinking of just how this week's played out. And I remember my first encounter with a flood. So, so you have people who watch floods and then you have people who have encounters with floods. The first encounter with a flood was uh, on my, my farm in Zim. I, I heard that the river was coming up next to our safari camp and I decided that I would go and try and rescue everything in the safari camp. And so I got there and we were loading stuff in and out using my dad's Land Cruiser. He wasn't around. And in and out, in and out, in and out. And eventually the river tricked me. It, uh, rivers occasionally do this. It came back on itself. And so now it was going this way and it was going this way. And I was in the middle on an island. And uh, I tried to drive out and couldn't. And so what I did was what any sensible 17-year-old, there's no such thing, but what any 17-year-old would do, I, I winched my dad's Land Cruiser to the biggest tree I could find. And, uh, and I left it there and swam for dear life. And uh, anyway, when, when I came back a few days later, my Land Cruiser was, was full up to the windows with mud and the engine was full of mud, and everything was full of mud, a bit like my pool right now. And I was, I was remembering this because it feels a bit like that's what's happening at the moment. It's just like you get up and you just get pounded, and you get up and you get pounded, and you just get mud in you. And this last week, I, I was chatting to a mate of mine who lives in Mshloti. And if you're in Mshloti, we, we're actually just going to take a moment and pray for you, uh, because Mshloti has just been hammered. Uh, in fact, I, I would like to take a moment and pray for people regardless. Uh, I know domestic work, workers and, and people in some of the catchment areas, they've just put their houses back together and they've been washed away. So Jesus, we just ask for your grace and your power and that you send people and you restore in Jesus' name. Amen. This friend of mine in Amshloti um, had... Basically, a landfill site come land in his garden. And, uh, and because I'm South African, what you do when anybody has a problem is you make fun of them. It's just how we cope with stuff. So I was, I was ripping him off about how the landfill site landed in his garden, how that felt, and, and what kind of smells he had, and, and all of that. And, and then last night, I think um, Jesus might have been laughing a little bit at me because I was in a wetsuit whilst I was channeling mud into my pool so that it didn't go into my house. And I was thinking to myself, that's the last time I'm ripping off anybody else about uh, what's happening in their world. I, I, <laughs> I spent so many hours digging last night that uh, I'm just praying that this message hits the heart. But what I, I realized we're in is mud. We're in mud. Mud gets into places that it's almost impossible to clean, and, and mud, it clogs stuff up, and when you're stuck in mud, it feels like your wheels are turning, but you're not moving, and you're building a business, and it's just the cash flow's not working out, or you're trying to work on your marriage, but it just, there's just only pain, or you're trying to get out of singleness, and it just like everybody who looks at you, all they see is mud. It's just everyone goes, it's just everywhere you look is mud. And mud 
has a way of getting not just into our stuff, but it gets into our inside. And I want to talk about how you get out of mud. And so I'm going to use a story from the Bible that is well known if you're a Christian. In fact, even if you're not a Christian, the, the road to Damascus is, is often used as a statement to explain radical change. And in Acts 9, it talks about a man who gets stuck in mud. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which means were Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This is a heck of a story. You have this man who is almost part machine. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's, it says in the Bible, as to the law, faultless. As to 613 instructions of God, he didn't make a mistake. He is so full of passion and zeal, so clear about his purpose and vision for his life, and God's on his side according to his thinking. He has this army of people behind him, and he's going to take out the enemy of God. And then this unstoppable force hits an immovable wall of the glory of Jesus, and it's like a sinkhole. He, he hits Christ's glory so hard that he literally can't see, can't move, and he's in mud. I want you to think about this because we often just go to the next verse, but think about this moment. You have given your entire life to God, and your entire passion and focus has been on how to keep your religion going, how to spread it, how to make it the focus of everybody's life, and you run into the God you say you serve, and he's facing against you. It's not just that his whole purpose, his whole vision for his life, his whole thinking and identity got ripped out in that moment. It was the fact that if he turned around, he had a whole family and he had a community and he had respect and he had income that he knew in that moment was gone. You want to talk about mud? He has nowhere to go. If he goes forward to Jesus, he's turning on them. And the Christians that he's been killing want nothing to do with him. He has no income, no family, no community. He is so stuck in the mud, it's frightening. And God blinds him. Now, because we don't often think about this moment, we miss out on what God's doing here, because there's such a deep work that, is, that God's doing when we're stuck in the mud. 
if we'll stop and let God blind us for a moment, we'll start to see that God's shifting us when we're stuck in the mud, and some of us are stuck in mud. But the story goes on, and I'm going to loop back to this. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, and he said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. He's seen you. Come and place your hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, firstly, if you're stuck, there's an Ananias. Some of you are Ananias. God will always send an Ananias. God never leaves people stuck without an Ananias. You might need to pray right now, God, please make Ananias listen. You, you might be in that space. You see, what I love about this story is, is Ananias' response. He calls Jesus Lord, and then he feels a need to educate the Lord on the situation. I don't, I don't know if you, you ever find this, but you feel like God says something to you, and then you feel like you need to educate God, because he hasn't thought through everything. I mean, I mean has he seen the economy? Does, it, does he know what my salary is? I mean, you just haven't thought through everything, God. You haven't thought through, have you seen how busy I am? Have you seen my kids like extra murals? Do you know what that's like? Or, or God, do you know how people do relationships right now? You, you really think I'm going to be able to do it? We, we feel we need to educate the Lord. My favorite thing is how Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't respond by having a long conversation to Ananias and saying, don't worry, Ananias, it's okay because I protect Jesus just says, no, no, go. Seven times in this little text, it says, the Lord, the Lord. Now, we don't understand the term Lord because we don't have lords. We have democracies. We like democracies. Democracies mean that if, if he doesn't represent me well, at least I can vote. At least I get a say. But Jesus is not a president running for a campaign. Jesus is the Lord. And in week one, we said that how you see Jesus will determine how you relate to him. And many of us see Jesus as the lamb, but he's a lion. He, he saves us, but his personhood, it's scary. He's a lion. He is a king. Yes, he came to minister to the wounded and the broken and the hurting, but he also made a whip and threw tables all over the show. He is still the king of kings and lord of lords who's coming back on a horse with a tat down the side of his, his thigh that says king of kings and lord of lords. You can read it in Revelation. He will come with a sword and he will terrify. He's the savior who came to rescue us from sin, but he's the lord. And I need a lord right now 
Saul needs a Lord right now. You see, when you are so deep and stuck in mud, you don't need a person who's nice to you. You need a person who knows where they're going and how they're going to get there and how they, a person who can see the whole picture. You need a Lord. Sometimes you're in sunny places and you don't think you need a Lord, but Jesus only comes as Lord. He doesn't come to you just as like a friend to make you feel so good and then leave you feeling good. And He doesn't. He comes as a king. And he goes, I am about my kingdom, so follow me. And then I I'm not going to have a conversation about why you disagree. Just go. Now, I need a democratic system when a mere human is in charge because I don't trust him to represent me well. But when God is in charge, I can only have a king. The king, Jesus, would go on these cycles of preaching tours. And there were lots of people who followed him as king. And there were lots and lots of other people who would wait for him to come round again so that maybe they could see a miracle, get an inspirational talk, or, or something good would happen to them. And they would just wait, and then he would come around every month or once a year, and, and, and that was their relationship to him. Their following distance was, I wonder when Jesus is coming around again. And I think you can do that sometimes, except when you're in mud. When you're in mud, you can't be hoping that next time Jesus comes around, he's going to lift you up and pop you out. When, when you're in mud, the moment Jesus comes, you go, I'm following you, Lord of my life. You see, Jesus, he, he says this to the disciples. He says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? You know what he's saying? You can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have all the blessing of Jesus and not the following of Jesus. He won't shout at you. He won't be angry with you. He'll just go to the next place on the cycle. And I think people right now need to make Jesus king again. It's who he is. And when you make him king, he's the one who can see the beginning from the end. He can see the flood and when it's going to dry up. He can see the economy and when it's going to shift. He knows that crypto was about to crash. He understands every single aspect of every part of your life. And Ananias, he gets the problem. Now go. Now go. He's Lord. So he puts... Saul into blindness. Now, I spoke about this a few weeks ago. I said the only way he could get Saul, who became Paul, to see with his inner man was if he blinded his outer man. The only way he could get wisdom into him was to blind him. As I kind of thought about it, because this word didn't really leave me over the last week, I realized what was going on is that he was converting eyesight into insight. You need insight to be able to get out of things. And sometimes that requires your eyesight being blinded. Your eyesight to News 24 has to be blinded. Otherwise, what begins to happen is that it drowns out the peace 
your eyesight to your credit card statement. Some of you, it's been blinded for too long. But it needs to be blinded so that you can get peace back. Your eyesight to Netflix sometimes has to be blinded so that you can get faith back. Your eyesight to, to things like your marriage problems sometimes have to be blinded so that you can get your love back. Your eyesight to what's going on in the economy has to sometimes be blinded so that you can get your hope back. And God comes to Paul and he blinds him so that eyesight can shift to insight. Now, I don't know about you, but over this last season of my life, I've needed insight. Yesterday, I was chatting to one mate and he'd been hijacked about a month ago. And then I was chatting to another mate, he was about to go to Australia. And then I was watching the mud, I'd moved up to the top of my house, come back down again. And I realized, I, I need insight. Because my eyesight is squeezing out the life of God. And I just began to worship and I began to pray. And I said, God, I need to see this from your insight. I need to see through your eyes. I need to look at this from heaven's perspective. Because I have too much mud around me. If you're going to get out of mud... One, you need to make Jesus Lord, and whatever he says you must do, you just do. Two, you need to ask him to shift your eyesight to insight. And that only happens as you spend time with him and go, Lord, just help reshape it. See, insight, insight's incredible. Insight is power. Insight will give you hope. And hope will motivate you. Insight will give you creativity. Insight will give you innovation. Insight will, will tell you, don't go there, go there. Insight will say to you, wait, hold your tongue. Don't speak now. Insight will give you the ability to know what to do, when to do, even when it doesn't make sense. Insight, help, it's, it's this intuition that God uses by His Spirit that shifts you into new space. And you need insight if you're going to get out the mud. You need a Lord, you need insight, and then here's the last scripture. You know, before I get there, I was, I was reading this yesterday. I don't know how many of you know of Helen Keller. Keller. Helen Keller was born, she could speak and she could, she could hear, and then she got sick. And by 19 months, she couldn't hear and she couldn't see. And a teacher, Anne Sullivan, came alongside her, started to teach her. She learned Braille. Then she learned five other languages. She didn't just learn other languages. She wrote 14 books. She went through Harvard University, which is one of the hardest to get into in America. And she got her degree. She learned to fly. She had more of an impression on the world than most people with equal intelligence and eyes and ears. Helen Keller said this. She said, there is one thing worse than not being able to see and not being able to hear. She said, it's having no vision. Insight will give you God's perspective and God's perspective will give you vision and vision will give you power to go and do. But there's a last bit. This text finishes like this. It says, Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. 
And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, just think about this. Saul's been killing people. This Christian walks in and says, Brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. At once. He's so stuck in mud. He is stuck in the mud of everything around him. And he is stuck in the mud of the guilt and sin inside of him. And then it says, at once. How do you go from blind and stuck to at once? He laid his hands on him and he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Justy to come up and just strum quietly. You know, <laughs> because there's so much mud in my house, I asked the insurance guy what I must do. And he said, well, first, pressure hose this. And when you finish pressure hosing it, then, um, then get everything from tile grout to new cement to new paint and just paint this thing and let's get it back to normal. And so we started that and now the mud's back. <laughs> Cosmetics will work on the outside for the mud that's stopping you on the outside. But only the Holy Spirit can clean the inside. See, it says, at once he began preaching, at once. I'll tell you one thing about preaching. It is very hard to get up and preach without a clear conscience. Paul went into Jesus, and he realized, I am the sinner of all sinners, he says. I'm the worst of sinners. And he spends three days as he starts to see clearly in three days. And in those three days, what he realizes is his soul is so full of mud. It's just the muck and the sewer. And the pride and the self-righteousness. And my gut is there are lots of people who are full of mud. And so they can't at once. Jesus has been saying, go do this. And you haven't been moving because there's just too much mud. Because mud on the outside often lands in addiction on the inside. And mud on the outside often lands in spending too much or looking too much or getting involved in something that you just know and now you've lost all your discipline, you've lost your willpower and you've lost your life because you've got mud on the inside. And there is only one thing that cleans that, that's the Holy Spirit. And then Ananias comes and he puts his hands on Paul and he says, Brother Saul, see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're at home and you're in pain because you're stuck in the mud and your marriage is just going like this and it's just not moving forward, there's no traction. You've been working so hard with your business. It's just felt like you're spinning and spinning and spinning. I want to say, brother, sister, may the Holy Spirit come on you. May you see with the eyes of your heart, may you get insight instead of eyesight. 
And may the Holy Spirit fill your spirit so that you can get washed and cleaned and you may feel His forgiveness. And if you're not a Christian, I pray that you run into the glory of God so fast and so hard that a sinkhole's formed so that you realize there's so much mud in me. Because Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit that cleans. Not an external filling. That follows. Not a sorting out your credit card. That happens. An internal. Ask Him to move the mud out. Move it out of your soul. Move it out of your eyes. Move it out of your ears. Move it out of your mouth. Holy Spirit, come. Will you come? And you can just say this off to me. Holy Spirit, come. Come into my body and into my mind, into my mouth, into my eyes and ears. Come and wash me. Put your pressure hose into parts of my life that are hidden and dark. And wash that mud out, God. And Jesus, I pray that your power begins to move powerfully on people. Lord, I pray that, that as we get back up and we start cleaning the outside, God, I pray that we'll have an insight. As we call you, Lord, I pray that you just pull us out and you bring us into a freedom, God. So come upon your people, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, give us your eyes and clean our hearts so we can at once follow you. Amen. I pray that your heart is full. And I pray that as you go, you will get a chias to get up. Because God is not finished with you. May God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy your pajamas. <laughs>